Goddamn beautiful Wednesday morning here. We got episode 54 with one of our special guests, Rob Emerson, who was requested by many people after his last podcast. Uh, yeah, so let's have a bag of smoke. Let's get our posture up, <laughs> take some good breaths, and get serious, boys. Thank you for that, Gloria Tells. You're the only one for me. Okay, what do we got going on? We got a bunch of shit going on. I fucking... I love I love preaching about eating healthy and doing all this shit, but then I'm the one injured all the time. I'm dealing with a shoulder injury. I'm dealing with this back injury. Fucking pisses me off, so... I'm trying not to let it take me out of the moment all the time, though, and sit there and complain about it and bitch about it. I can't train uh, and just focus on that. You know, I'm I got a lot of other shit going on in my life, so I'm trying to put my energy towards that. I mean, right now, we got a big fucking opportunity with Suge. He's Fuck. fighting the number one guy on the planet Earth. This could be a super, super iconic moment. So it's been nice having time to just be able to focus on that, focus on getting him ready. And now at my gym, we're opening a little IV center so you can come in, get rehydrated, you can get uh, vitamin B12, you can get all the shit in an IV. And if you haven't got one of those, sometimes it can really save you if you're about to get sick or other than that. And then in about probably 60 days after the fight, Sugar and I are opening a, a coffee shop right here next to my gym, and that'll be a... That'll be a little job in itself, but it's nice because we have people around us that are experts in different areas that can help us. So we're just kind of facilitate putting the people where and then just get the, get it going. Fuck yeah. The walk that you just gave me, this whole place is like a wellness center, like like that coffee shop, the fucking rehab place. Like, fucking old school shit, huh? Dude, IVs are crucial. Like before I go on the trips, I usually get a B12 IV just so I don't get sick on the planes and stuff like that, mm -hmm. especially when COVID, but... Yeah, this whole fucking building's rad, and you guys are running it, so. Fuck yeah, thanks, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Um, Yeah, other than that, so the last fight you were just at, you were just uh with Jared and Izzy. What do you think could have been went different in that fight if you could have changed something, Jared versus Izzy? Um, For the people who don't know, Rob Emerson, he's, I mean, he's a freaking a vet of the sport he's the head striking coach at the lab uh my good friend for a lot of years tons of knowledge when it comes to just combat health and just warrior spirit so i love being around rob and uh learning shit from rob too but uh yeah what'd you think about that fight man it was um uh, izzy did a good job of, of what he does and um he was evading a lot mostly that fight man jared I think fucking Jared and, and Izzy are carrying the whole division, you know what I mean? And um, there's a gap between them and the rest of the talent, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And uh, Jared almost closed the gap on Izzy that night. And I know guys are not, uh, um, they're kind of harping on Izzy for not giving Jared the credit. And um, Izzy did good at just, I mean, I'm not going to say running, but he also wasn't trading and coming forward that much, you know what I mean? And and you can't blame him. I mean, you, people are like, oh, he's not exciting. It's like, dude, he doesn't really have to take risks. He's not the one that's got to go in there and take a big fucking risk. Right. 
right, can right, bounce right. around and peck, peck around, you know? Yeah. And so with that being, everyone knows that you got to take it from the champ. And with that being said, Jared's got the closest to ever do it. Jared pretty much came out unscathed. He had a little kind of mouse under the eyes from like a, a glove scratch and like I think an eye poke. Um, but both guys, I mean, I say we take him out we, we, if we run it back. You, you know, when you fight someone, you learn a lot about yourself. You know, and Jared's the type of athlete that learns a lot about himself. Every time he fights, he's a much better version of himself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he learned a lot that fight, just about how how much damage his shots do and how much ground he can cover. Mm-hmm. He's so explosive. When he was lunging for throwing his attacks, they were landing. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was cool. It was, it was more of like a a che- checkers game than I was hoping it would be a chess match, you know, but Izzy made it more of like a checkers game mm-hmm. and keeping the distance and all that shit. Yeah. So. And now, uh, Jared Cannonier versus Strickland for a main event five rounder. Fuck. That's a sweet fight. Bro, not anymore, dude. Not anymore. We'll see what happens. They did. Uh, they just released this. Uh, uh, yeah, we can talk about it. Strickland pulled out for a fucking finger injury. dude. No. Yeah. Bro, just, just now. Just, yeah, I guess. Yeah. A couple of days ago and they, they just released it. So yeah, for a finger injury. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Bro, I mean, well, for Strickland, I'm like, dude, you just got KO'd, and now you're gonna fight Jared, the yeah. next, I mean, the next best motherfucker who doesn't load up on his punches. You start swatting at Jared's punches like Strickland swats at shit. I mean, he's gonna come around it. He don't want to fight Jared, dude. It's seven weeks out you, at this at this stage in the game. Guys are usually getting injured the last two weeks before the fight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's when injuries pop up. They're pushing hard. They can't. Their body's broken down. Rarely do you see guys at that level getting hurt this far out, let alone for a finger injury. Like, did he snap it in half? Like, how bad is it? Like, you know what I mean? And you don't know the demons he's battling with. Like, just like Habib was talking about in the past, when you get KO'd flat, it takes a special person to come back with that. And he just had his worst night of his life in front of 30,000 people, millions of people around the world, got KO'd, and now he's going to take on Jared. Like, Jared's a motherfucker. And maybe he's thinking, like, this isn't the right move right now. Yeah, that's two in a row. That'll be two L's in a row for him. Technically, they can give him his walking papers. Um, I don't know if they would. He's done a lot for the division, and he was also coming off a pretty decent winning streak, what, six or seven before he got KO'd that last one? Yeah. Um, but then again, man, you don't say ahead of the curve in this sport. We have the fastest learning curve of all sports is mixed martial arts. You know what I mean, you can't be walking at your opponents with your, your freaking gloves below your chin, not having respect. Like, he just didn't really respect Alex and Pierre. It took his, to, yeah. you know, turn the lights off. And especially for, I mean, I mean, when you got, when you're a hundred or a fight night, they're probably 205, 205 pounds, explosive athletes with four ounce gloves. It's like, fuck, you got to keep it tight. Yeah. But uh, they're talking about it, not officially announced, but I think it's almost there is Jake Paul versus Anderson. No shit. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy because Anderson's what, 52? Uh, is that is my uh is my mic uh up enough jay or is it just uh is it perfect i think it's good okay sweet yeah 52 boxing fight is it going boxing? boxing wow that's a tough match for jake yeah anderson's slick i mean anderson's fucking you know i mean like you said he's 52 it's going to be easy to turn the lights out on him but then he's got so much skill and so yeah. much elusiveness i'm still not sold that freaking that last fight he had with um um He's 47. <laughs> He's 47? Yeah, still, Damn. but. Yeah, still freaking. Okay, I was looking at Henderson, Dan Henderson, because I thought Anderson and Dan Henderson fought, and they did back in Pride. But I'm like, Jake Paul's got a good overhand right. Okay, he's going to hit people like Woodley. He's going to hit people like Askren with a big overhand right. He can maybe walk them into it. He can maybe set it up. But Anderson's going to be like, I've been there. I've done that. I'm 6'2". I know you got a good right hand. 
Yeah, I, I don't think Anderson will lay down. If if if, if you're asking me, I think the Willie. I think Willie threw that fight. You think the, he got paid? I think he threw that fight. Listen, because the shot that knocked him out, the punch that um, Homeboy threw before it was like a jab to the body. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows in the fire world, you don't parry a jab to the body, mm-hmm. especially a guy like Woodley that has that kind of fight IQ. You're going to keep your guard back and you're just going to step back. You're not going to go parry this mm-hmm. down for a body shot that's coming here. You know what I mean? Especially a guy who has a heavy overhand so height. So you think you think there was a maybe a deal that went on that said, "Hey, Woodley, we're going to give you an extra five hundred k if you let me just stroke you with this right hand in the eighth round." The second I saw it, the second I saw it, I said, "That's bullshit." He <laughs> fight. And <laughs> every time big. I watched it since, I've reaffirmed like that's a thousand percent what I think happened. Everyone knows you don't parry a jab to the body. Why would you ever yeah. do that? You know what I mean? We don't even parry push kicks really. You just keep your elbow in and step back. Like that's MMA coming. That's coming that. from your perspective, which you're a good talent i mean good top to bottom striker i mean that's the eighth round with Woodley. that would be insane though i want how much yeah. money do you got to give a ufc welterweight champion to say hey you're gonna get ko'd flat Bro, I, those, I don't yeah. know if i'd do that for five like five million ten like or is there a number on it i don't, I don't know i don't know I mean, they're probably making way more money behind the scenes and you know what i mean and yeah who knows if fucking paul is paying more so i don't know dude money talks you know, yeah you know, that stage in the game i know he was kind of exiting the fight game and stuff so so we got a big one next weekend. We got uh, Hamzat versus Nate Diaz. Jakar was telling me, he's like, dude, imagine if Nate Diaz went in there, the bell rang, and they threw in the towel and said, fuck you, UFC, I'm out. <laughs> Can you imagine? Be funny. Oh, be my God. Would he get that much? Like, he'd probably get a lot of hate because a lot of people paid for the, to see this slaughtering. Yeah. I don't think he would do that, though. I don't think he would yeah. either. But imagine if he did. He said, "Fuck you." Nah, Nate's a gangster. He's down. He's, he don't give a fuck, dude. You know what I mean? He's down to fucking take lickings or give him, dude. You know, he's as real as it gets when it comes to the sport, and that's why the UFC has kept him around so long. He re- um, he really is, dude. He really fucking is. Like yeah. for him to take on Leon, go five rounds like that, just to, to take on all the people he's took on, and now this is the, I mean, probably literally in the division, the worst matchup for him. Yeah, the worst. A guy who weighs two hundred and ten pounds. That could that cut could have something to do with it too. It's a five round fight, but fuck, dude, I feel like I'm I'm a huge fan of the Diaz brothers, but I feel like he's gonna get battered. Yeah, dude, these guys that are mean stand up guys like fucking Mastival, you know, and Leon was slapping him up too. Like you know, Nick, Nate started shining a little bit that last round, but dude, these guys that are tough stand up guys that can wither the Diaz power, which is not much, but wither the volume. Oh, they fucking end up piecing those guys up, especially Nate. So mm-hmm. out, I think, is a terrible fight. It just size, power, striking, timing. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know what? Fucking that that doesn't mean the story's over for Nate. He can, there's so many big super fights for him over at fucking and, know, and, like and still he is he's still a guy with two legs two hands and they got four ounce gloves on you never fucking know because imagine if Kamzat says i'm gonna make a statement on this kid i'm gonna beat the fuck out of him in the first round and then nate's still there and then yeah. nate's still there in the fourth and now it's like oh yeah he has a way of winning too you know what i mean and in our sport man there's so many variables anything can happen yeah and uh yeah, who knows if, if Kamzat's coming in with any, any kind of injury or something like that too like you know a lot of variables yeah, for sure, for sure. So, we're, are you dealing with some injuries right now? Your shoulder and shit. Fuck, dude. Yeah, my. Is um, it Father Time that's getting after us? Because we eat healthy. I try to do everything so I'm healthy. I try to stretch. I try to. Do, I try to do everything, but then I get keep getting fucked up. So it's like maybe I'm doing something wrong. Yes, I, I've had two torn labrums on the back of my shoulders for years, um, on both sides, and then I was sparring, fucking about that two two months ago, and 
Uh, this guy was a little heavier. He was like 210, 215. So I had to like throw harder to keep up with the, the force of the of the sparring round. And um, he just had his elbows up. It was super unconventional to go like this. And I remember I threw a hook super hard, and it just hit his elbow, my glove, and my body kept going. And it was just like an immediate tear, like the worst pain I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. And fuck, I was hoping it would heal by now, and I can. But no, I need I need to go go in there and get stitched up. Doctor Tokish, the same guy that did Jared's, gonna do him. He's oh, far. the best orthopedic surgeon in the valley. So, so with the Nate Diaz thing, you think like. You think Nate's fighting for money? And same with Tony Ferguson. Like, do you think they're fighting with money? Because clearly Father Time's catching them. So, and they're not near their prime. So, do you think they are? Uh, Nate, I don't think it's about money anymore. Um, I think he's just down to fight, fucking whatever. Like, he's a fighter's fighter, and he, he always has been. And us guys that are like that, dude, we're down to fight. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll slap a motherfucker in the bar if he talks sideways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're just like that. We're, we're, we're wired like that. Um, so I think he's got, got enough cushion to kind of, you know, chill the rest of his life or open up some other uh, businesses if you want to do that. But yeah, I think he's down the fucking scrap. And yeah. again, this is our sport, dude, Nate, you know, he won the ultimate fighter that season that I was on with him. And that was the reintroduction of the lightweight division. And so he's been around the division for fucking years now, you know, over a decade. Yeah. And, and, and just some, someone like Nate, like every single person you run into ever, they say, when's your next fight? When's your next fight? When's your next fight? Oh, you're the fighter. When's your next fight? So then maybe they feel like that's who I am as a fighter. So I just need to keep fighting. Maybe? Or what do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that and that, that concept could go back to when they were like, you know, their childhood growing up in Stockton, you know, which was a yeah. rough place and just the environment. You know, I think the environment programs the egos that live within that environment, you know, and, you know, had they grown up fucking orange county somewhere else i mean maybe it wouldn't have been you know as like hardwired as they are but yeah for sure were you uh i mean who would you like to see leon go against next fuck i mean i think they're gonna um fucking give homie the rematch because i mean contractually guys don't they have to the the champ loses don't they have an immediate rematch i don't want to see it I mean, I, uh, well it would probably be eight months down the road he got ko'd bad maybe yeah. he should rest a little bit and he's got to get back into a fight camp so who knows i wonder if he tries to sneak one in before yeah fuck that'd be sweet to see i mean any shake of the, of, of the vision would be good i kind of get i was getting bored with his you know champion streak but mm-hmm. know, it wasn't very marketable did much and i mean he found a way to win he was good at what he at what he does but fuck i don't know i'm just more in favor of the, the stand-up violent strikers i think the guys that bring violence to the sport is what gets the eyes you know yeah for sure so uh you've been watching any uh you've been getting any some documentaries or any shows lately um no nah, i'm just reading a lot more um when, when's your schedule for reading usually because you teach at the lab four or five hours a day yeah and then at nighttime usually once everyone goes to sleep i'll just rip and smoke i'll stay up take notes and everything i just find i find this zone it's almost like um an artist spell you hear you feel like you hear about artists getting into these like um these like spells or these you know what i mean like um these ideals will just come to them you know and these like creation spells and it's like it's interesting it's almost like a zone you get into and like man an hour and a half will go by before i knew it and um but then i'll try to watch documentaries that that they're putting out there like the caa documents they released on like the power of the mind and like meditation and astral travel and all that because all that stuff backs up exactly with like the emerald tablets and insane which i brought for you like i want you to 
Yeah, I mean, I want it's you just, to take this home too and read this. Like, just go okay. over one and rehab. It's the fucking most insane shit ever. Damn, really? That's all highlighting the shit. Like, I have a couple of versions of it, but um, it's, it's not. It's called the Compendium of the Emerald Tablets: A Beginner's Guide. Damn, I'm excited. So, I got to take a little smoky smoke before. Um, you can. So, so they say that when you read the tablets, that like, you almost come become like put in like a trance, almost kind of nuts. And they said, but your IQ won't increase 100 fold. Right, and these tablets essentially were written from the last king of Atlantis, who was known in Egypt by Thoth. Right? I think I talked about it on the other podcast a little mm-hmm. bit, but it's it's crazy shit. And what it says, it's a basically like a manual on the human being and what we are, and as far as us being literally like from the cosmos. And it says humans are astral, we're physical, and we're mental. Right? We hear mind, body, spirit all the time, but that's an interesting way to put it. We're mental, we're physical, and we're astral. That astral part fucking intrigues me. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. with us being with the same fucking, you know, elements of stardust. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's how true is that? You know, and if it's true, yeah. is that why your eyes look like fucking cosmic fucking, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of nuts. It's fucking nuts. Let me, uh, I'm going to give a call here to my uh, buddy, Ryan Sprague. We're going to try to do a segment probably each week of, he grows some of the most quality quality organic weed and he's kind of he's a weed expert so we're going to talk to him here i got a couple questions and uh what's up tim what's up ryan how are you brother doing well man how about yourself doing good hey so recently we we met up you supplied me with some some great quality organic weeds and you mentioned you mentioned about mixing the sativa the indica and the hybrid what kind of benefits you get from that yeah, so, you know, I'm really glad we're talking about this because this is a topic that I feel a lot of other people kind of do intuitively. They mix things together, but I'd love to shed some light on what this is actually doing uh, in the cannabis experience. And so, sativas are going to activate the upper chakras of the body. So, the throat chakra, the third eye chakra, and the crown chakra. And they're going to mentally stimulate the experience. Yet, the challenge, if you're extracting the sativa on its own, is that because they have a high amount of delta 9 THC and usually a very low amount of CBD, this can bring forth anxiety, paranoia, etc. And so the reason for mixing is because if you do a sativa on its own, like I was just saying, you can get these undesirable results. Well, if you take that sativa and then you mix in a pretty even hybrid, hybrids are really good at opening the heart. right? So they're really good at allowing you to drop into the heart and allowing more of that real version of yourself to come forth, right? The one that's out of the mind and in the heart. And then the indica strains are really good at providing support for the first three chakras. And specifically, they work really good at relieving physical tension and trauma from the body, right? So a lot of the times when I'm working with clients uh, and I'm working in this way, I'm including these three types of strains now, sometimes I mix together up to 30 different strains that are all different indicas, hybrids, and sativas. But I think for a start, if you have one sativa, one hybrid, and one indica, you're going to have a broader array of cannabinoid and terpene diversity. So in that sativa example I was giving you before, you have that high delta-9 THC and low CBD. Well, now, when you include the indicas and the hybrids, now you have CBD, you have CBG, you have CBN. You have all these different cannabinoids balancing one another out. And the way I like to say this is more of a full spectrum effect, right? So a lot of the times, like especially in the industry right now, a lot of people 
go for just THC and then they wonder why they get paranoid. Well, the plant's supposed to work together. It's called the entourage effect, which basically says that every constituent in the plant helps another constituent of the plant work more holistically. And so when you're mixing these three types of things together, not only are you affecting each individual chakra, but you're also able to balance out any undesirable effects you might receive from cannabis if you're going for strictly a sativa and potentially getting anxiety or paranoia. If you're going for strictly an indica and maybe getting too relaxed and feeling like kind of like, you know, dead inside. If you're going for just a hybrid and you kind of feel right in the middle, but like you're not really getting the mental stimulation, but you're not getting the physical release of trauma. So when you mix these three together, it really allows that union to be had and it allows for that more full spectrum experience. Ah, that makes sense. So, so if you really want the full benefits of the cannabis plant, mixing those is good. And how much, how much, one more question, how much do you lose of the benefits when you burn the weed compared to vaporize it or other ways? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, I'll say is, yeah, you know, especially for ceremonies, right? Like if you're looking to interact this plant in a ceremonial way, and want to allow the plant to work in every facet of your body, not just the physical body, but also the heart and the mind as well, that's when you would combine these three. I like doing it because really the only way I interact with cannabis these days is connecting with it in ceremony. So for me, I do this every time, but for someone listening, what I would say is try it out. See what you feel, right? You might find times that you want just a sativa. Maybe you've been able to work around the potential anxiety and paranoia. It is happening for you, not to you, these kind of things. But for anyone listening who's like, yeah, I do get paranoid sometimes. Yeah, I do feel kind of too relaxed sometimes. This can be a great strategy. And when it comes to burning the plant versus vaporizing or even uh, eating the plant in the edible form, the main thing with burning the plant is that you're losing a lot of the terpenes. And the terpenes, the way I like to distinguish this, right, is if you think about the cannabinoids, aka THC, CBD, etc., as being the gas and brake pedal of a car, well, the terpenes are actually the steering wheel. So, yes, if you have a lot of THC, it might tell you, yes, this is going to be a strong effect, but in what direction? Is it going to be relaxing? Is it going to be energizing, et cetera? The terpenes give you that steering wheel. They are actually what's responsible for sending you in a certain direction. So when you're burning the plant or even vaporizing it at too high of a temperature, you're burning off a lot of those terpenes. And the result is that you're not getting the, the full potential of what the terpenes bring to the experience which, you know, I really think of them as the essential oils of the plant. So you can think about how, you know, when we're uh, working with essential oils or something, when we smell a mint, it makes us kind of energized, right? It makes us feel fresh. When we're smelling something like a linalool, like a lavender, it makes us feel relaxed. So if we're taking a strain of cannabis and burning it, we lose that sometimes. And I'm not here to say like, oh, you should never burn it or whatever, but these are important things to know. So if someone listening is like, oh, yeah, that actually makes sense for me in my experience, try it the other way, right? Like try vaporing it. Um, you know, usually when I'm looking to preserve all my terpenes, I'm going down to about 380 degrees Fahrenheit on my volcano. And that uh, really uh, encapsulates all of the terpenes there. And then, uh, of course, when you uh, ingest it edibly in an edible fashion, um, the one thing that I would watch out for is, you know, if you're making cannabis butter, you want to make sure that if you're doing it in a crock pot, it's on the low set or warm setting rather, um, because the higher the temperature, the more uh, uh, terpenes and also cannabinoids too will burn off if you're making edibles. So do it low and slow. When I make cannabis butter, I like to leave it on warm, which is the lowest setting on a crock pot. And I like to leave it there for a couple of days. Uh, the other reason for this, I won't get into a big rabbit hole, is that when I'm looking to ingest edibles, I'm looking for CBN. 
And CBN is simply degraded delta-9 THC. So the longer you let it sit in there with the heat, the more CBN is going to be, uh, or the more THC is going to be transformed into CBN. And uh, that gives a nice relaxing effect, which is what I'm looking for with edibles. Fuck yeah, Ryan. I appreciate it, brother. Uh, that'll help out a ton of people. And great talking to you. Talk to you next week. Hell yeah, man. Excited. <laughs> Have man. a great day. Peace, Ryan. Bye-bye. I've like felt like a certain high from a sativa and then just smoked a little bit and like, and I felt a complete shift and like how I physically felt. Dude. That was freaking informative. That was awesome. I know. That's good. That dude's like, a, I mean, he's so smart about that kind of shit because I've been just bong ripping it. I love a good bong rip to the dome piece. And I, yeah. I, for for me, I don't really get too bad of anxiety. I've had it before where I've smoked something. Maybe it was a, a, a strain that was super sprayed with pesticides or it was just kind of a cheapy weed that I didn't like. But when I smoke his weed, dude, I'm like, wow. I might have to, I'll give you a nug after this and you can try it out. It's a trip, dude. You have a complete different experience based off like the quality of what you're smoking. And it's profound. Like I love that that conversation that I was able to listen on. That was fucking awesome. Like before we demonize this stuff, like I've like... I've had had some weed like I've gotten from some place, and the whole place just seemed dark and weird. And then my, my old my wrestling coach smoked it, and we were like walking around. He's like, "Dude, I feel like I'm gonna die right now." Do you <laughs> like that? I'm like, "Bro, I'm glad you said something. I feel like shit." And like, we just got some other weed, and I smoked, and we were fucking totally happy and all. Yeah. I mean, like it's a mindset. Like everything's mental, right? Whether it's a sugar a placebo effect or not. But what I'm reading in the alchemical texts say that like it's the spirit of these plants that affect this mind, body, and spirit of us. And I love that he was talking about the chakra systems and how these different strains can activate different parts of the human being right because again it's all about the human being just like the animal tablets say like it's not even so much like we create dmt within us right there's different organs that create dmt our pineal gland and you know other organs as well it's pretty profound so we are what is profound this these plants just allow us to tap into some pretty magical shit inside of us mm -hmm. like these energy systems or these chakras you know and mm -hmm. people say oh that's bullshit that's no these these are these are energy systems that are inside of our body and what's profound is that Two of them are outside of the body. You know what I mean? It's kind of nuts. And um, it's cool shit. Yeah. That uh, Ryan came on my podcast a while back. You listen to that one. He talks a lot about weed the whole time, but he talks a lot about like how important the grower is. If the grower that's growing this plant and with these plants every day just has shitty, moody energy, like, I mean, it sounds weird. Sounds weird talking about it, but they're gonna have sh the plants are gonna have shitty en energy compared to if they're having fake light and just people who don't give a fuck about them and then spraying pesticides on them and then you smoke it and you're like, fuck, weed gives me anxiety. It's like, yes. no wonder you're smoking some trash. Dude, I had the first concept that that ever um, made me think about something like that was I, I was out in Hawaii, one of BJ Penn's camps, and he hired this personal chef to like live with us for the camp and would make our food. But when he was cooking in the kitchen, no one was allowed in the, in the kitchen. And I and I asked him why, and he's like, uh, he's like, it's an energy thing. And I was like, oh, what do you mean by that? He's like, uh, you know, different people's energies and their personalities can literally change like the molecular structure of the food, essentially, which blew my fucking mind that mm -hmm. he was that passionate about just cooking. Well, it made me more passionate about a lot of things in life. Like, wow, that's mm -hmm. just complete mindfulness and being present. And again, if, if these particles that make up this plate of food or make up this strain of weed, they're all vibrating, that means they're fucking alive. Mm -hmm. You know, just like we are. And man, it's awesome. It's cool when you look at the world quantumly like that you yeah know? it's fucking crazy it almost almost trips me out a little bit a little bit too much sometimes when i try to go <laughs> too deep into it you know for sure it's why i smoke i smoke weed now in life to like mellow me out and just fucking let me chill here like yeah you know, like otherwise shit gets kind of nuts
Yeah, same. Especially when you got so much shit going on too. It's hard to just not, I mean, weed, I always say it's just like a hack to meditation for me. It always just brings me right in the moment, what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, so we got one more call to make here with our, our boy, Dan Garner. Dan Garner is the nutritionist for many NHL players, some NFL players, been working with Shug and I for, I think, over five years now. He's just super passionate. He came on the pod too. You guys are all familiar with him. Let's, uh, let's give Dan a question for the week. Fucking catching a mid beat off session. <laughs> well, I forgot to remind him this morning, but it's all right. He'll probably give us a jingle back. Yep, no worries. There we go. Yeah, I watched that uh, little baby documentary last night, Jay. That was good, dude. What do you think about it? I thought it was good. I'm like, that kid is just. Oh, here's Dan right here. Dano. Think yeah. oh, okay. oh uh i thought i was catching you mid beat off session yeah well you are that's why i had to put the phone down and wash my hands and now i'm calling you <laughs> god damn it sorry about that brother hey I, the <laughs> qu question for this week if you're you're trying to be uh i mean a professional fighter or whatever doing you're training twice a day what's the optimal time to take between those workouts can i get away with working out hard go home rehydrate and work out again in three hours or four hours or what's the optimal time to where i'm gonna have a good workout and i'm pretty recovered for my second workout yeah so that's a great question and it's going to depend um a little bit on how the first workout was um, what was your recovery score going into that? What was your HRV going into that? What type of robustness and resilience did you have going into that? Because fatigue is one of those things that can be progressive. So if you're deep into fight camp and then you absolutely smashed another uh, very, very like 90-minute hard grappling session, um, then your recovery before your PM workout is likely and predictably going to be longer than it would in the beginning of camp when you've got all of that hormonal milieu working in your position because you've got no signs of overtraining taking place. Um, I have a range that I work with. It's basically four to eight hours. Um, that range is based upon your current state of fatigue. So if you're fresh, ready to rock, camp's pretty new, um, you haven't been dieting too long, the four hours is the, is the absolute minimum, even if you feel great, because we do want to rehydrate, uh, restock glycogen stores and get the body back in a position to where it can actually perform again in that PM workout. But as fight camp goes on, um, I'm not opposed at all to kind of gradually four hours turns to five, five turns to six, six turns to seven, just to allow the muscular system, the nervous system and the connective tissue of the body. Cause it gets quite beat up at that point as well. Um, more time to breathe, more time to recover and continually allow you to progress because um, you're going to perform to the degree that you are recovered. So if you go into that, that PM workout, 80% recovered, well, then you are going to perform to 80% of your ability. That, that is a one-to-one -one equation. And as you get deeper into camp and fatigue becomes a greater thing, well, we don't want to perform worse in that later session. So I think it's actually advantageous to wait a little longer so that your percentage of performance in the PM session can be higher 
so you can be more prepared on fight day. So super long-winded answer short, four hours when you're feeling fresh, but eight go all the way up to eight hours as you get progressively deeper into camp if you need it. Fuck yeah, brother. That answers it perfectly. Thank you so much, Dan. We'll talk to you next week. Beauty. See you, brother. Peace, bro. Yeah, that's interesting. I heard uh, I heard McGregor talking about with some of his coaches that it was it was about six hours to get all the levels back up. Yeah. Six is right in between four and eight, like he said. And it's crazy how much just training has evolved in just the time I've been fighting and probably the time you've been fighting. When we started um, twelve years ago, it's like you trained fucking hard every day, every session. You didn't take a break, and it's always interesting when. You get older, your skill level's a lot higher, but your body slowly starts to break down. But you're a lot smarter. Your IQ's a lot higher, higher, but your body's just quite not as fresh. So, like, adapting to that is always uh, interesting to me, how people adapt to that. How people that are 35 years old, 37 years old, they're how they're training different compared to when they were 23. Yeah. And still, you know how it is. I mean, fighting, sometimes you're training just because you're, you're – I don't want to say scared, but yeah, you're scared of the other point. You're scared of getting gassed out. So I'm going to train every day, twice a day, because I don't want to fucking gas out no matter what. I know yeah. this is a big opportunity for me. So I heard Cowboy talk about it a little bit, how he transitioned from, and I did the same thing, was instead of doing two hours a day, like he couldn't find enough recovery time. So just going at the gym at night and just being there, you know, three, four hours at night, you know, and, you know, doing, you know, just if you need a rest break in between, 30 minute rest and do like maybe movement as for one part of the training and bag work and then your heavy conditioning like for me i was doing sparring and then i would lift do my heavy conditioning right after sparring about Ooh. half hour break because then i got ample time for my body to rest before the next sparring day yeah and if we're going to highlight performance days we want to highlight sparring sessions yeah right? of course and so i found out with getting like the heavy like you know j-rock workouts in and heavy strength training and i felt it was best if i smashed it out before mm -hmm. i went to bed my sparring night you know, that way I felt fresher. Yeah, and I remember Chael told me a long long time ago at training, he's like, if you just do, if you're doing any more than 10 sessions a week, it's too much. Because then you go into these sessions, you're half-assing them, your body hurts, you're not even really there mentally. But if you can do 10, 8 to 10 focus sessions where you're there and each session has a, has a purpose, then uh, that's prime. Because you see a lot of these people, like they fucking th train three, four times a day sometimes, but it's just like, doing nonsense Dude, weed helps so much too honestly it's like oh fucking weed helped me so much through my camps like whenever i was just slacking or feeling like i didn't want to go in or felt like i was redlining i can just smoke a bowl put on some tunes and be fucking ready to go like it oh just, yeah it lifts your spirits you know it what does, I mean? dude when your mind feels good the body will follow suit you know fuck yeah and yeah especially when i'm feeling a little bit groggy or i'm feeling a little bit moody i'll literally go dunk all the way under that plunge come out shower up take a rip of a nice weed and i'm like wow completely fucking changed ready to go ready to rumble but i was talking about that little baby you know much about little baby the rapper no nah. that was that was pretty fucking impressive jx this guy it's is crazy that he blew up in that short amount of time yeah this kid this black kid is just from the hood like the hood hood of atlanta right uh, i believe so yeah yeah and he was making millions on the streets and he was pretty respected on the streets making a lot of money doing drugs and stuff went to prison got out his buddy talked him into rap. He's like, I don't want to do rap. I don't want to embarrass myself. And now he just fucking blew up. And he's a super like hood, hood rat kid. He doesn't like speak very well, but he's very smart and he articulates his words good. It, it's pretty cool documentary. I was like, damn, that made me a fan yeah. of him. Yeah. I liked his music more. It's crazy how you like, you see a documentary or something, you get more attached to. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, I think it's on Amazon. 
yeah um, the thing about those documentaries too it's like documentaries can portray you to be this yeah, great person and you're just a <laughs> fucking shitty human and then and then all of us that are sitting at home are like oh man what a great guy just spread a good message which when we really don't know yeah exactly it's just the documentary and think yeah. how many like crazy stories are out there of people that we ne- are never found out about like so many cool that. stories we never hear about you know like again it's, 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 a, it's a celebration of the human being dude it's a celebration of our species and, and it's cool to see a guy like little baby like suge and all these guys have these awesome storybook you know they can make a yeah. movie of these guys lives it's really awesome and imagine how many fucking cool shit people live and accomplish that we never even hear about and know about you know? bro well think of how many people there there was like like i mean anybody little baby show who, whoever that just were born in the wrong age they were born without internet i always think too it's crazy how we like we like vlogs and stuff. We like seeing other people's lifestyles. Because, uh-huh. I mean, kids like the same thing when they're watching <clears throat> other kids open up toys or just mm-hmm. kids being kids. Like, we like what we like. Like, I'll watch jujitsu vlogs or whatever I'm into. Yeah. Like, it just kind of trips me out that we, like, enjoy watching other people do yeah, what for we sure. like to do. <laughs> yeah, the fucking, the, the internet, dude. Damn. We're lucky it's to be trip. around the fucking internet. I remember when fucking, uh, what was it? my my space right aol was aol mm-hmm. about aol online we used to go home from school and talk to people did you have top friends um you, on myspace i would have my top eight and there was always oh, issues yeah, yeah, between yeah. girlfriend best bud yeah i remember my screen name was uh knuckles 949 949 was the area code for orange county damn that's sweet. Fucking, it was aol we get all excited for and we'd be it was the most exciting thing part of the day and then from there upgraded to myspace and then now it's just we're on these fucking things Jesus, all day. bro. They're just controlling everything It's just struggle, dude. I try to not be on my phone as much as I can. I, I swear, the light bothers my eyes and shit. It's really? Like, you know what I mean? By the end of the day, I feel like I'm straining my eyes and shit. And mm-hmm. I heard that. I read that, that, that any every other light bulb besides the one that Tesla created, there's like vaporized mercury that comes out and goes into our eyes. And that's kind of gnarly. You think about people look at these fucking phones. They look at screen computer screens all day. And it's like, that can't be good, you know? Oh, dude. I mean, people, I know there's a lot of people out there that'll look at that phone this close to their face, fall asleep, wake up, phone's right there, <laughs> open it and scroll. For real. I mean, that's funny, but it's for real. That's crazy, bro. We're resilient. We are a fucking resilient species. You know what I mean? Yeah. Addicts can live fucking 20 year drug binge and still come out. You know, that, that's crazy. That Tom Maridovich guy, I hired him to be my strength and conditioning coach years back. And um, the NFL drafted him, not even out of a university, but straight off like a 10 year drug heroin speed binge off the streets and he was drafted to the raiders and That's was killing crazy. it yeah tom marinovich freak athlete his parents were like uh um one of the best strength and conditioning coaches i've ever met I, and i got to work them through bj he hired them for a few camps and they were all about building the athlete up from the feet up right all their stuff was barefoot everything standing on pcv pipes they had these super cat machines you guys um, would go when you were training with BJ and stuff. You guys would go to the uh, ocean and do some a lot of stuff at the beach and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we do cones, warm ups in the grass and the sand, and, and down there at the beach. And the sports science lab was down there in San Clemente. And um, then obviously when I went out to Hawaii, we did a lot of stuff barefoot. And I love that concept. I take my daughter and we go earthing or grounding at least thirty minutes every day. I go to the park once the sun sets, so it's not so hot out, and we just walk around the grass. I take my dog out there and stuff, and it feels good. You get almost like these. Um, um like probiotics from the earth that just you know absorb through your feet and stuff mm-hmm. and it's pretty you feel good they say even when you go travel if you're jet lagged to lay down and take a nap i guess after 18 inches this energy that this the earth gives off it kind of dissipates but if you lay down your belief below the 18 inch marks and you can feel like a a shift or a change cyborg had some um this german equipment called bemmer uh 
Uh, it's a it's a German company, but they base all their technology off Tesla's stuff. And mm. she had this bed that she plugged in. It was like $10,000. You plugged it in a wall, you roll it out, and you just lay down in it. And it's supposed to emulate the, simulate the, the energy of the earth, whatever. Yeah. The same frequency, I think 7.83. Yeah, those. Uh, I think they. I forgot what those were called. But Paul Check talks about that a lot too. Just having uh, your feet on the grass, and even when you you're barefoot and you're peeing, and, you, and your pee hits this, like you're gonna feel this energy from the earth. Oh, like the pee hits in your feet, so it's like a cycle. Yeah, almost. interesting. Yeah, interesting. I also watched the uh, Untold. All those Untold documentaries on. Uh, I, I think they are Netflix, Jay. I think the Untold. Oh yeah, the uh, Untold. On, the baby one was on Prime. Oh yeah, the Untold documentaries. Those are all really well-made documentaries. But I watched the one on Chris Jenner and uh, his life. I had no idea he was that good of an athlete. You know what the decathlon is? Yeah, where they do the like ten, 10 events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do ten events, and you're you're competing against everyone else in the world. So literally, you're the best athlete in the fucking world. And Chris Jenner won that. Um, that's a crazy documentary too. And then going through her transition, how much like balls that had to take. It was a fucking interesting story. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. The human mind is, is fascinating. You know what I mean? It's fucking fascinating. Cause yeah, they went, it's nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew Tate got banned on everything, which is pretty fucking crazy, which is really crazy to me. Cause it's not like he was saying anything that bad. I watched Logan Paul and a couple people talk about it. Like, Oh, he has all the, he's saying these things that's going to have a, a long lasting effect on a lot of people. I'm like, dude, people say shit like that, that could have a negative long lasting effect all the time. And his shit wasn't even what do you say? that bad. He would just talk about women and, and, and the dynamic difference between men and women. And a lot of it was true, but he, he goes in deep. You, you never watch any of his stuff? Some highlight. No. You should watch some YouTube. Is he, or he might have got deleted but it's fucking entertaining and a lot of times he's joking but he is a very smart witty guy yeah. too but he got banned on everything you were getting shadow banned and shit on instagram I still am, bro they can't no one could fucking tag me or add me yeah and shit, yeah i always try to tag you or find you and to message you to find you just to message you for the pod i was like i can't find this motherfucker yeah i got type in yeah mma fucking alchemy and then even the first round guys i guess they're gonna try to give me my blue check or whatever but i i think it's a problem because i've been shadow banned but yeah yeah they can you say anything wrong fucking it's crazy they'll just fucking zing you i no, mean do you think you think uh andrew tate should have been banned on everything like you see some of the shit you see on youtube so. you yeah. see some bad shit on youtube yeah i think he just got obviously he became so popular and who knows how much complains like from the like i don't want to say closed-minded people but who knows how many complaints he got through to facebook and yeah. instagram and all that and they're just like we got to do something what was the what was the topic that got unbooted was it like they won't they won't they don't specify they, specify yeah they don't say but if they if they even if they ban you from youtube they don't specify exactly why they banned you it's yeah. fucking, what was he talking about the difference between like he was talking about women and men who think they're women and stuff like that or real men not so much about that but he was talking about who's actually in charge of the world like these people and these elites he was talking a lot about that kind of stuff oh yeah like the tri um, trilateral commission you talk about that at all he, he might have i mean he has so many goddamn videos out there but the guy's entertaining you got to check him out it's pretty fucking funny um you guys ever dealed with sleepwalking in your life my brother has yeah i've i've, I've caught him a couple of times like coming out talking which is crazy because how could the you be this that disconnected i'm not there but there you know what i mean I, he was 
coming out talking bullshit. Where's the money? Where's like he robbed the bank or something? He said he's dreaming he robbed the bank. And then uh-huh. like, but what the fuck? I was just going up, seriously go to bed. Like my mom was right there too. And just like that freaking trips me out. Like mm-hmm. your mind can really take you somewhere else. Fuck. Your body's still Jay? here. No, I've never, I think my brother used to sleepwalk too. He would always be talking. And I remember one time he came out and like he used the restroom where he was talking. And then a couple hours later, he's like, what was that about? And then he's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah. He did not remember at all. Get pissed. And they say not to wake him up because it could be like a fucking crazy <laughs> Dude, like. when w- in seventh grade, when my parents got divorced, our house flooded like pretty much the same month. Our, the bottom of our house flooded. So they put us in these uh, hotel rooms. They gave me and my brother a hotel room and my sister and my mom a hotel room. And my brother was staying at his friend's house and I didn't have any underwear that night. So I slept naked in the bed. And I had a dream that my mom said, Tim, go get in the Suburban. And we're in this hotel. So I'm walking around the hotel butt naked, seventh grade, just butt naked, looking for the door outside. And it's winter outside. And I'm walking around, walking around. I can't imagine what the cameras look like. And I looked down and I kind of woke up and I was naked. And I sprinted back to the hotel room, started banging on the door, oh, went back shit. in. I used to have a problem with sleepwalking. My mom used to have to put uh, chairs in front of the door so I don't try to walk to school in the middle of the night. So what what, the how fuck? did you, uh, I guess, stop? you just grew out of it i don't know what the fuck it was yeah i, I kind of grew out of it mariah says sometimes when i when i do i mean when i do a lot of dairy sometimes i'll talk in my sleep still uh-huh. but i don't really i won't really walk but sometimes i will it's fucking so weird dude before i peed on my brother's head oh my fuck? god and it and when he got up he fucking screamed and he started sprinting after me and i sprinted to my parents room uh yeah i don't know why the fuck i used to do that shit but walk around in that hotel just butt nude I just always think of stepbrother scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, f- that's fucking me right there. I wonder if it has anything to do with like um like parasites maybe. If it is like a dairy and meat thing. Yeah. Maybe it's something these fucking cuz parasites are able to take over little fucking bodies and you know have pretty much like kind of control or influence them at least. Uh-huh. Maybe like it's just something has to do with there's so many parasites in our gut that it can literally physically maybe encourage us or to do things, you know what I mean? For sure. Weird yeah for sure but then how you always say too like why do some people snore like you know <laughs> like me yeah <laughs> i feel I like mean, i snore when i'm like super tired or just haven't had really good deep sleep uh-huh and i feel like comfortable somewhere like really comfortable then i'll just start snoring yeah did you guys see the uh the video that nasa released of the sounds of the black hole it was actual sounds of a black oh, yeah. the black hole and Na- nasa fucking creepy i'm about to play it right now this is the sound of a black hole that nasa released Fucking weird, That's huh? Crazy. Yeah. You've seen like the mushroom music too, huh? They could like hook up these like electrodes, plug it in and play like the mushrooms have like a vibe. Really? Like, yeah, it's pretty interesting. That's fucking cool. When's yeah. the last time you tripped out heavy? Um, it's been a while, dude. It's been like I think over a year, almost two years now. I think I did the five the five uh the five grams or whatever, the heroic dose. I tried to but and that one would put you deep after you do one of those heavier doses it's kind of scary to go back in again huh yeah it gives it you a little like, bit of anxiety and stuff and yeah i mean i like to have a shift i feel like i have a complete conscious shift when i do them so i've, I've done micro dosing and stuff since then have um, you ever tried any ketamine no either have i 
I've, I've heard it's pretty sweet though because this this lady at this holistic center i went to she they do ketamine ceremonies or therapies Therapy, or whatever yeah. i'm like damn that looks pretty neat i'd give it a go but uh yeah abu dhabi dude abu dhabi we're leaving probably 35 days okay. i mean we've never i've never even been to another country you've been to abu dhabi uh i've been out there at fight island uh for jared's when he fought at whitaker how was it what was it like was it quite different uh the whole thing was a trip like the whole plane ride over there was just like all ufc people and like the whole island you just see that like uh well we think we have money here in this country like it's just stupid over there they like, just the whole fucking island out, huh? is just and there was just like yachts everywhere and then like one of the workers is like oh this is the fucking this is like these just are the, the ghetto these are the little boats yeah they're like, wait till you guys come back when you guys after you guys leave their real ships come in they were like multi-million dollar lots right like the whole flooded and this is nothing how was your sleep out there did you, get, did you sleep all right uh we went to the beach that first day and i, I kind of walked around I, I was always told if you go stand in the water and face the land but standing in the ocean it does kind of help with uh get i've never really experienced jet lag too much i usually right. pretty adjust pretty fast sweet yeah because i think we're going to go out there october 7th so we'll be out there i think 15 days before 14 days before to kind of really get acclimated uh so we're so we're feeling good i love how you said too it's gonna it's just just gonna be an iconic moment for the sport you know what i mean it's gonna yeah. be an iconic moment for mma and it's gonna go down the history books just so something fucking cool to be to be part of yeah i um, mean it makes me it makes me just because i know how fucking terminator this little motherfucker is but i know sugar's skills and i know he rises to the occasion yeah. and he's such a fucking athlete like he fights different than a lot of people so i definitely think he can get the job done yeah i've been watching peter for a long time even before he was in the ufc he was the aca champ so i was watching him because that's when i was fighting and yep. in that division too at 135 and so i was watching a lot of footage on him and i just saw how tough and mean he was um they didn't really test much of the guys over there so he, there was a little bit more aggressiveness but mm -hmm. still that toughness he carried over with him but you're right suge has a way of like bringing guys out of their element you know what i mean then capitalizing on it fuck yeah so i think anyone's the guy to do it fucking is suge big cage big cage half a foot taller yeah and and, and suge plays that range well mm -hmm. he plays his feet and arm range well and fucking yeah man he's looking slick in the gym for the sparring matches and stuff too like dude this is something to celebrate it's gonna be awesome fuck yeah dude and peter is he is quick at sprinting forward and trying to hit some overhands sprinting in opposite stance and throwing overhands so really trying to make him fast with his feet be able to you get the fuck back and start circling quick as fuck man switching your stance allows you to cover a lot of ground right yeah. and it's not done too much in muay thai kickboxing or boxing but in mma a lot of guys are starting to switch their stance and uh, and i think that's how peter covers most of his ground switching his stance and then throwing like basic shot. he doesn't even he doesn't keep it he doesn't do any fancy shit when he switches his stance. pretty basic yeah even when he's fighting aldo um but suge has that same element he's able to cover so much ground even more mm -hmm. because he has you know longer leg leg length and you know footwork and he has a footwork iq i think is better than peter's you know fuck what I mean? yeah. so man it's gonna be epic dude fuck, fuck yeah. yeah so uh this weekend we got coming up we got serial gone versus tai to avasa God, I want to see Tai Tuivasa keep going so bad. I want to see him keep going. But Tai Tuivasa, I mean, he cracks people that are blitzing in. He he cracks motherfuckers. He's a good counterpuncher. He's got a good left hand, good good right hook. I just don't think Serial Gone is going to really blitz in. I think he's going to bounce around, switch his stance. He's, I mean, he's one of the best heavyweights I've seen in a long time that can punch people at the end of his punches. Serial, and yeah. yeah, and he's six three. 
Um, Tui Voss is sick, though. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of Tui Voss. I Fuck hope that yeah. motherfucker wins. I really do. 75-inch reach, serial guns, 81-inch reach. Um, I would love to see him get it done. Five rounds. I mean, you can never count Ty out. But man, how sweet would it be to see him with the belt around his waist? Did you see? Uh, he not. What if? Imagine if he knocked out Francis. He said he he would like to uh, go against John Jones for his heavyweight debut. Fuck! Imagine that. <laughs> I can see them making that. Yeah, that would be crazy. That'd be sick. And then we got Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori. Not many people are talking about that. It's an interesting match. Uh, I'm a big fan of Robert Whitaker. I love watching him fight. Marvin Tor- Vittori, though, you, have you been around she, him much? She was at Kings. Yeah, he joined Kings back when I was there. Back when I was leaving there, she was there for about a year or so um, before I left and, and then moved out here. Um, he was the same kind of fighter then than he is now. He hasn't uh, transformed much. Very heavy footed. When he, I remember when he first on the, he came on the, on, on, on the team at Kings, he was very very heavy footed, especially when he came forward. Those guys were able to kick his leg and move a lot, and he just has such a strong will and such a strong mind. It's carried him through his division mm-hmm. similar to like a uh, fucking Diego Sanchez, but more skilled than Diego. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But just a fucking gritty, just like, <clears throat> yeah, tough motherfucker. So who you got tied to Avasa serial gone. You got to pick it. $10,000. Uh, Let's go. Okay. Robert Whitaker, Marvin. Uh, I got to go Whitaker. Outpiecing him, jabbing him up. Yeah. Okay. And then we got UFC 279. The big one comes out. Nate, what, what's the results of this fight? And I know your buddies with Nate. I mean, I love Nate too. Huge fan, huge fan of comms out who he got and how. Fuck. Realistically, bro. Fuck. Come on. Give it to Nate guillotine fifth uh. round. <laughs> <laughs> fuck dude. Ooh. I'm nervous that comms going to take him down and mount him really quick and then give up his back. Maybe give up his back. Maybe not. But then to damage him, I don't see Nate making it out of two. Let him, I don't for sure don't make it out of three. I think Kamazak has it in to yeah. finish and put him down. But but let's see, fuck. let's see if Nate can prove us wrong. It'll be sick. Fuck Everyone's yeah. pulling for him. Fuck yeah. So Lee Lee Jingling versus Tony Ferguson. It's a weird fight they gave uh, Tony Ferguson. I mean, a bigger welterweight. I think feel like Lee Jingling might might piece him up i feel like father times catching up to tony a little Tony's bit in a weird place too it seems with the mix up and stuff you know i wonder I mean? if he hits drugs what kind of drugs he hits Damn, he perks little adderall little adders little perks <laughs> top to bottom and then uh john Gian, uh johnny walker versus ian kutulaba that'll probably be an exciting fight anything else that sticks out on that card nothing crazy and then, damn, then the week after that, we got Sanhagen, Song Dong. It's a good yeah, fight there. Fuck, yeah. Corey Sanhagen, motherfucker, Song Dong, cracks people. Uh, main event, five rounds. I'm going to take Corey. Yeah. Jabbing him up, piecing him up. Um, Nothing really sticks out on there too much again. But, uh, yeah, other than that, what do you got going the rest of the day? Uh, just chilling. We got like, sparring at three, so just hanging out until then. Fuck, yeah oh yeah and then we got oh october 1st we got mckenzie dern she's a main event damn on october 1st and then the co-main is cody garbrandt versus ronnie yaha yeah damn ronnie yaha is still fighting these co-main event fights that's yeah wild, that motherfucker. 37 37 i mean they're trying to set cody up for a win obviously but dude ronnie yaha is no joke on the ground that motherfucker grabs a hold of you pulls guard whatever enters some some leg entanglement cody couldn't be in trouble 
Yeah, Perillo's done an amazing job with Mackenzie too over there. She's busting her ass this year on the mids. Like she's cracking. She, she looks she's fucking really, great. Yeah, she's really came into herself over there. Jason's such a great coach, dude. He does such a good job at like connecting with his fighters. He and seems like he's probably one of my favorite coaches out there just watching him the way he works with people the way he gets their mind ready for battle is fucking good dude and he'll always say that he's a psychologist way more than he is a coach and i love that ass he really is and all the guys that i've seen working in bj myself i can cheat to all these guys there they feel like a very tight bond with him he's able to make these guys mentally just you know warriors. and dude that's a big piece i mean you can teach your fighter all these techniques you can teach him all, you can be the wizard but you have to get their mind ready for a fucking fist fight and ready to get battered and still want to win okay. and there's not i mean there's not a ton of coaches that i've met that are like that that yeah. are ready confidence to, is priceless dude confidence is fucking priceless i think it's the you know number I mean? one for sure. Like I, actually, everything. the best coach, the best corner man I've ever had in my life was the guy got, uh, that got my black buffer, Marker Huas, back in the day, right? The first ever like UFC mm -hmm. uh, uh, tournament champ. Well, the best corner man I ever had, he fucking made me believe in myself more so than anyone could, I could ever think could teach me. Um, he was in my corner when I fought Jens Pulver for my first pro fight after he beat BBJ. Um, best corner man I ever had, never said a fucking word any of the rounds. Not a word until I went back to the corner in between rounds. Mm -hmm. Crazy. It sounds like what? Like he wouldn't, he would just literally watch the whole entire time. Just let him fight. Yeah, let him fight. And you know what? The fact that he put me out there and he's all, you know what to do. You already know what to do. I don't need to tell you. And the fact that he had that trust in me, it made me believe in myself and trust myself. Mm -hmm. And that element fucking, oh man, it was huge. Leaps and bounds for me. I was able to fight fucking Jens when I was 20 years old to a decision. I almost won. It was a close decision. Mm -hmm. And, um, this fucking thing is our best fucking weapon. A hundred percent. I mean, and I think it's weird because it just takes so many years to kind of get it to where you want, especially when you're a fighting's a hard one too, because there's all these emotions involved and you got to keep these emotions under control. And then the, then it's the technical battle. And then it's like, okay, you got really fucking hurt. You got, you got kicked with something and now something's broken. You didn't expect that. You didn't train for that for six weeks, but now you got to get ready to battle through it. Like Sugar in his fight when he fucked up his ankle, you know what I mean? Like that mm -hmm. same same shit. Like it is. That's why the mixed martial arts platform is is glorified for what it is. It's the fucking modern day gladiatory arena, and it's the only sport where like the human heart and will is put on a pedestal. I don't even trust boxing anymore, but MMA. No one's gonna throw on fight in MMA. You know yeah. I mean? There's no the way that guys are getting paid enough to throw fights. So you see the fucking human heart and the human will you know versus another human and it's fucking rad it's why our sport is continuously growing yeah it's fucking insane okay charles oliviera islam makachev ufc 280 who you got how uh i got Oliveira all day fuck he's sick um i dude i i keep telling people too everyone's like islam's gonna kill i'm like dude you watch charles's fight the confidence he has right now the way he's just walking through shit like a fucking terminator walking down other beasts and just smoking them Dude, and i was watching him hit mitts when we were out there um this last fight uh who were we out there for at apex um fuck, was it jared's fight i think so yeah it was jared's fight and then uh so uh the izzy fight and so he was there hitting mitts and just watching him elbows he's all these fucking elbows and punches just looking slick and mm -hmm. just He's never really had to display any of that, but I'm like, fuck, this guy has so much stuff he hasn't even displayed for the fans. Like, yeah. it's cool to see these guys work, but for he's sure. comfortable in the pocket. The way he was throwing fucking knees, like, you know, even even against guys like fucking Michael Chandler, like wrestlers that were powerful wrestlers that like, could take him down. He wasn't afraid to stand that close to him and just throw his knees at them. I mm -hmm. think knees is the best anti-wrestling -we weapon. 
and Oliveira has the confidence to stand yeah. and sling him too. And he throws those knees. He's got good balance when he throws them. He's not throwing them just recklessly. And then, right. but dude, Islam's got to stay sharp for five for twenty five minutes. I mean, he if he slips up in twenty five minutes, Charles is going to catch him. Yeah, sharp is the word. Yeah, he's going to stay on the ball. If he fucks up one time, Charles will capitalize. Yeah, and I feel like Habib and their team is going to have him very prepared for that. Very prepared to de uh, defend guillotines and very prepared to keep his hips square with his hips and keep his posture up and stay away from those but still i don't know i'm yeah, picking charles that fight too those guys got a good anti-jiu-jitsu style you know, mm -hmm. as far as just ground and pounding versus submit jiu-jitsu yeah you know, they got a good style with that and i think it's going to be tough because habib and islam these guys pass pass people's guards easy they get into half guard and they trap their wrists i just don't think you're gonna be able to do that as easy with charles mm -hmm. uh Aljamain versus tj dillashaw who you got um, I got Dillashaw on that. Yeah, I'm not an Aljamain fan after how he won that belt. The actually last two performances. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was it. I do see, I was think a lot of people are picking Aljamain, but I think TJ, dude. I think TJ's a good ass athlete. I think he can wrestle just as good. I think Aljamain's jujitsu is gonna be better, but I think their wrestling will kinda even it out. And I think TJ's just more athletic and more diverse on his feet. Yeah, it's way more dynamic on the feet, TJ. And yeah. I think what you said there, the wrestling cancels it out and I don't think, yeah, TJ will be able to, be able to keep it on the feet. Fuck you know? yeah. And then we got Bilal Muhammad, Sean Brady. Damn, tough one for Bilal versus for Sean Brady. Sean Brady's 15-0, fucking savage. Uh, God, if Bilal wins this, you can't really deny him much longer. And then we got another sick one, Benil Delroche versus Matthias Gamrat. That's a sick fight, dude. That's a sick fight. It's hard. It's hard to say with Benil. You always think he's gonna lose, and then he wins. Yeah, fuck. He's yeah. He's another guy. Kings who was just like phenomenal uh, skill wise. He was one of my main sparring partners back there. And again, a very crafty, long rangey southpaw. And mm -hmm. again, a world class black belt too. But mm -hmm. you know, his his striking obviously is um, entertain the fans and shit. Even the fight he had with Dre was crazy. Dre had that motherfucker. He, he did, he dude. Had that motherfucker. He did. Damn. Uh, but uh, thanks a lot for uh, coming in, Rob. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. Fuck yeah, uh, guys, check it out. We're doing a. I'm doing a solo pod every week on uh, Patreon.com. This week was a AMA. Answered every question that the Patreon people asked, and then there's extra content going up there all the time. And then also the thorn. There's a thorn. Uh, a discount code. This the thorn supplements are the best supplements. Dan Garner will tell you why. They're they're heavily tested. They're just quality stuff. You're gonna get what you want. So that link will be in the bio too. And then the discount gets added when you check out so you'll see the discount added when you're ready to check out but uh like and uh like and subscribe to page boys and if you comment on this video remember every week i'm giving a a pair of 16 ounce sparring gloves away i'm mailing them out so comment on the video and then uh we'll do the i'll pick one of those well it's like a random generator so comment please like and subscribe i appreciate it so much see you guys next week love you peace